Hi, I'm Gilbert. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm the president of Every Nation Philippines. We're committed to plant churches, reach campuses, and bring the gospel to the nations. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. So uh, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, and then we will uh, dive into verse 2. Okay, Luke chapter 10, from verse 1 to verse 2. Let's all read it out loud, all together. One, two, three. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of Him. Two by two. Everybody say, two by two. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, two by two. Two by two in every town and place where He Himself was about to go. In verse 2, it says, And He said to them, let's read this with em emphasis, okay? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for... Uh, Lord, this morning, even as we dive into this word that is so significant to us today as your church and as your people, God. Lord, you have so, uh, so, so much of a big heart for the nations, God, back then and even today, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that your heart beats not only for the Philippines, but it beats for every nation of this world, Lord God. And may your salvation be seen, God, and may your glory be felt and, be, and, and surround, Lord God, every uh, part of this globe, Father God. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us what our part is today in the world missions and in the end time harvest. Bless your word today. I ask for your anointing today so that we can actually be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Okay, last week, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we learned that God has been so committed uh, to His mission uh, in this earth so that the gospel will be preached to every living creature. And we know that the end is near, right? And that's the very heart of God, that God has committed Himself to seek out uh, the lost people. Now, how many of us have been lost once? I'm not talking about geographical loss, being lost, okay? But we were lost. We don't have Christ. We were not yet saved. But now, God given, has given us grace. God saved us. We used to be lost, but now we've been found. And, you know, it's, what's interesting about this particular um, message of missions is even though if you feel like you're not called to go. How many of you know that you are as much a part of this great commission? Because when Jesus gave this in Matthew 28, you know, before He left for heaven, before He ascended to heaven, He said to everyone there, not only to the apostles, not only to the full-time ministers at that time, but to everyone, basically the church, that we are to go. Everybody say, go. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. And we're so familiar with this a statement already that sometimes over familiarity, we can just set it aside. But even until today, we know that in the you know 2023, we're all busy post-pandemic. What is the application of missions in our lives? 
you know, last week we talked about this, you know, uh, Sandra said, you know, uh, and, he, and she basically unpacked this. I'm just going to give an, a quick review of that. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them, and the word sent has been seen twice in these two verses that we have read. The first word sent means apostello. Everybody say apostello. Apostello. This is where we get the word apostle. One who was sent out with a message. And so we, we would see that there are some observations about this particular text. Okay? Just very quickly, it says the first line of this is after this. After what? You know, Jesus just told them about the cost of following him. About the cost of being a disciple. Now, how many of us are followers of Jesus? We are disciples of Christ. Amen. I believe that many of us, if not hopefully all of us, were followers of Jesus, were believers. There is a price to pay. How many of you know that salvation is free, but there's a price to pay? Amen. And he said that we are to carry our cross daily and follow him. Carrying a cross means carrying ourselves to obey Him, even to the point of death. Cross does not just pertain to an ornament or a nice piece of jewelry. When you see a person in the streets of Jerusalem in the first century carrying a cross on his shoulder, that person is on his way to death. He is about to be executed. Capital punishment was true then because of the Roman Empire and the most gruesome, most uh, excruciating, painful uh, way to die is crucifixion. And Jesus used that same familiar picture to his disciples. If any one of you want to follow me, here's what you need to do. You're not just to go inside a coffee shop, pumipila para maghintay ng kape. Anyway, so... And then, you know, or read the Bible there. That's fine. That's great. But being a disciple is more than that. Being a disciple is following Jesus, picking up our cross daily and following Him. And that was the premise of His being sent, sending out these 72. After this, after finding out, after learning that there is a price to pay, there is a cost that God has enjoined us to be with Him to join Him in the mission that He has called us to be in. It says 72 others. Now, if you have your physical Bible with you, we're now reading from chapter 10. It says right on top, it says, uh, the title of chapter 10 is, uh, Jesus sends out the 72. But if you go back one chapter before, it says, Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. So basically, Jesus first sent out the apostles that he called, Sina Peter, Sina Matthew, James, and then it didn't end there. The calling of God for missions did not end with the full-time people. The next chapter, he was talking about the 72, the ordinary, the faceless, the nameless disciples that are part of the church. And he sent them out. And how many of you are part of that 72? Please raise your hand. Amen. That's basically all of us. He sent already in chapter 9 the staff, the full-time staff, the full-time missionary, the course cultural. Now, he's sending everybody else, the 72. 
every one of us is part of God's mission. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are a part of God's mission. You know, when you talk about the mission of God, it's interesting that, you know, we have uh, a vision statement, a mission statement for victory. You know, we, we, uh, we want to honor God by, you know, establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible uh, campus ministries and uh, churches in every nation. You know, that's like our mission statement. But how many of you know that in, in, in it per se, we don't have a mission per se? God is the one who gave us that mission. Excuse me. God has the mission. <clears throat> Excuse me. God has the mission, and this mission has a church. The church does not have the mission. It was God who has the mission, and He has the church to fulfill that mission. We don't just have our own mission as victory. And then another church like CCF has their own mission. And then GCF has their own mission or New Life has their own mission or the, you know, JIL has their own mission. How many of you know that there's only one church? And we're part of the greater body, the body of Christ. There's only one body in the Lord. And we're part of that body and we share in that mission and we're aligning with the mission of God. And this mission has a church. And that's where we are. We are the church that shares in the mission of God. That's why the 72 is so important in sharing this mission. Because this mission cannot just be fulfilled by full-time staffers. But if each one of us will contribute a little bit to the mission. How many of you know that in no time, the gospel will be preached to every corner of this earth and then the end will come. Amen. That is part of God's promise. How many of you are looking forward to that day when we will see Jesus face to face? Amen. Where, you know, Pastor JJ was alluding to that earlier. That is what we have been longing for. Romans is talking about that. That all of creation is groaning for this, the revelation of the sons of God to be revealed. That when Jesus Christ will appear one day, the church is ready to meet Him. And we will all have absolute peace. No more problem with debts. No more problem with relationships. Everybody will be at peace with one another. Look at the person beside you. And tell that person, Batina tayo. <laughs> and then he sent them. This is where we get the word apostello, to send someone on a mission, commissioned to deliver a message. Each and every one of us, we have a message that has been entrusted to us. You have a message. We have a message. We are a bearer of good news. Guess what? Your life is your message. Your transformed life is your message. You are no longer the same from who you were before when the Lord saved you and now you are a work in progress. Still not perfect, but yet redeemed, forgiven, and you have that message. That's the good news. And apostello means that they are being sent out voluntarily. Walang pilitan. It's a strategic sending. That's why, you know, when, when Jesus sent out the apostles, 
you know, on their own accord, they just, we're ready. Ready to go. Whatever it takes. When God says jump, you ask, how high? You know, it's not, a, the question is, Lord, but I'm not qualified, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready. That's not the way to answer the Lord. When God says go, our response should be, how far? Where? Hindi yung, I'll think about it. Or maybe the best line is, I'll pray about it. <laughs> it's the Lord telling us to go, and then we're telling the Lord, I'll pray about it, Lord. It's a strategic sending. What's interesting is this line talks about two by two. That God's mission is better accomplished together. And I'm glad that we are not called to do it alone. Amen. We have a church with us, partnering with us, accomplishing it. And it says there, every town and every place. The gospel is to be preached in every town, every place. That's why we're so passionate to reach out every nation in our generation. Every campus, every city, every nation in our generation. Is that possible? I'm not sure. That's a huge task. But I think that every nation in our generation might be possible. But the every campus in every city, that saturation of every nation, that's, that could take a little bit more time. And last thought or observation in this particular verse is, He Himself was about to go. He will be with us as we go to the ends of the earth. And He promised that, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Where God sends you, guess what? He is there with you. Let's go to the second verse. And we highlighted the things that we want to emphasize. The harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest uh, to send out the labors into the harvest field. And so I want to just talk about very quickly three things that is so obvious from the verse. The state of missions then and today. Okay, This is very deep, guys. Very deep, okay? First point, the harvest is plentiful. Very deep. This is how you do Bible study, okay? Sometimes we just, you know, try to be too creative about the Word. It's already there. Just read the text. And what is God saying to us? Let the Holy Spirit bring it to our hearts and let the Word jump. To us so that we can apply it. You know, one of the things that we find out about this particular scripture or the particular verse is the harvest is plentiful. You know, the field and the harvest is a metaphor for the billions of people in the world today. We are, I think we're now 8 billion people, right? We're close to 9 billion, right? Kaka 8 billion lang natin. 8 billion people that are in need of salvation for the Lord. Imagine this. The world is in need for Christ. If there are 8 billion individuals, 2.6 billion a billion are Christians, 1.1 billion are Bible-believing Christians. Now, how many of you are Bible-believing Christians? Please raise your hand. Wow, you are part of the 1.1 billion. Wow. However, there's 8 billion people in the planet. There's 1.5 billion that are nominal Christian. What do you mean by nominal Christian? Christian by name, but not by act. 
They say they're Christians. They're Christians by words, but not by deeds. Boom. Which one are you? Are you the first category of Christians or the nominal type of believer? Next category is 2.4 billion are non-Christians within reach. It means that they are within our perimeter. They're probably in your subdivision. They're in your company. They're in your schools. They're within reach. And then 3 billion people that are unreached. They live in hostile nations, closed nations, creative access nations. This is the world we live in right now. I'm not sure if you see the picture or the implication of this. But the next slide would show us what's the percentage of that that we have reached so far. If the world was made up of 10 people, guess what? Only 1 out of 10 are the true Christians. 10%. And we rounded it off already. Okay. 1 out of 10 true Christians. 2 out of 10 nominal Christians. 3 out of 10 will be non-Christians within reach. Within reach. And 4 out of 10 will be those that are unreached. There's still a long way to go for us. That's why if we are longing to see that day wherein we see the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the water covers the sea, we need to be part of this end time harvest. Amen. Lord, person beside you, tell that person you're part of this. You're part of this. And the elements of the harvest is three elements. There's a field. There's, there are the reapers, the laborers, and there are also the labor, which is the hard work. We used to be a field once, but may we be the ones to be the reapers at this time, the laborers that are working in the field. I believe that God is not making new labors for the harvest, but He is exercising His authority to send out the laborers that He has already chosen for His service. The laborers are already present. God's not choosing anymore. It's already here. The laborers are here and He's sitting beside you. That's the laborers of the harvest field. Sometimes we think that the unbelievers have a hostile way of thinking about the gospel or they're hostile against the gospel. In fact, many, you know, on the contrary, many people that I have actually talked to who are not yet believers, they want to seek the truth. They want the truth but they're just confused. And sometimes what turns them off is not the truth. What turns them off is not the gospel itself. Sometimes, sometimes, or maybe many times, what turns them off are the gospel bearers, are the ones that actually tell the truth because they could not find the consistency of the truth with a person living out the truth. One of our uh, members here in Alabang, well, when we were starting this church, 
we happen to be 25 years already, right? So we're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary uh, this coming November. So hopefully you can, you know, join us in that celebration. But one of our, like the first disciples to join us here were June and Mabel Lee. Okay, so they're good friends. They came from Makati Church. And, uh, you know, when they were here in Alabang, they were, you know, committed. They were uh, some of our leaders here uh, when we were starting the church. And I think one of the things that they wanted to uh, have for their kids is for their kids to study abroad. No plans of doing ministry, but they just wanted, you know, their eldest uh, daughter, Sarah, uh, is a ballerina, okay? Uh, and uh, the second, Stephen, is a pianist. So their heart is to be able to put them to nice schools abroad so that they could get the training that they uh uh, that those schools could offer. And so they left, they went. I think that was before 2010. Uh, they had some difficulty because their first base was in New York. But later on, they were planted in the New York church. And later on, they actually, because of the culture and the knowledge of discipleship and the, you know, their passion for the lost people, they became part of the full-time staff uh, in our Every Nation New York. And now they're they moved to Pennsylvania, and they're now part of our uh, uh, Freedom Church in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, yeah, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, that's June Lee. That's uh, that's his. Uh, you see the you know his. They're part of the marriage and family ministry at the Freedom Church in Philadelphia. Okay, so they are part of this particular church. No plans of becoming a minister, but they ended up ministering. How many of you know that that is one form of ekbalo? It is not a strategic sending. It was because of something that they wanted to do as a family. But how many of you know that God can supernaturally change your plans? Uh-huh. Tell me about it. I think you can all relate. We all had plans. We all had our calendars. We all had our future set before us. We all had some dreams and our ambitions and aspirations. And then God steps in. How dare you, Lord? But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. We're all part of God's mission. His mission has a church. And you are part of that church. The workers are few. I told you, it's going to be deep. What's the first one? The harvest is plentiful. Second one is the workers or the laborers are few. In the Old Testament, the priests are the only ones authorized to go inside the temple. If you're not part of the tribe of Levi, and if you enter the temple, guess what? It's death penalty. You're not supposed to. To be there, you're not supposed to serve in the temple. But, what's the good news? In the New Testament, how many of you are in Christ? How many of you are saved? Please raise your hand. How many of you are believers? Please raise your hand. The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. So you and I are priests unto the Lord. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you're a priest. What am I being father, Okay. We're not talking about that kind of priest. A priest is a mediator between God and man. Somebody that mediates. That's why in the Old Testament, when the priest would receive the offering, 
They are the ones who would sacrifice the lamb in front of the altar on behalf of the people before God. Guess what? In the New Testament, you and I are full-timers in a sense because we are all priests unto the Lord. We are part of God's labor force. We are priests unto the Lord. You can stand in the gap and on behalf of the people that you know who are not yet believers. We don't need to sacrifice a dove or a lamb, but we can stand in the gap and we can pray for them and we can cry out for them and we can say, God, give me the boldness to preach or to share. You know, sometimes we don't share because of fear. Not sometimes, but many times. Another reason why we don't want to share is because maybe I don't know what to say. Just tell them, GBU, God bless you. Or GLY, God loves you. You know, those are simple statements, but yet it could go deep in their hearts. Because many people are lost because they don't feel the love from others and they don't feel that God loves them. And so all the believers, not just a select few, were all priests unto God. We have all been deputized as workers, as laborers. You don't need a license to minister. You don't need to graduate from a seminary in order for you to minister. Amen. All you've got to do is to have a Bible and a passport in order for you to go to all nations. You know, I remember back in the day, back in the 80s, they'd always say, say this two statement. You need this too. All the time, a Bible and a passport. A Bible to know God and a passport to obey Him. To obey Him to do what? To go. Because how can you leave the Philippines if you don't have a passport? How many of you have a passport? Please raise your hand. You have a working valid passport. Hindi expired na six months na lang. Ha? My encouragement for you in a practical sense, renew your passport. Be ready to be deployed. Be ready anytime. You know, I believe that God will. There is such a thing as a revenge travel, right? God, I think in His heart of hearts, will have that, a revenge missions. The mission of God during the pandemic has been somehow put a halt, somehow. But I believe that a day is coming when God will open the doors for His people to go out to the nations. Yes, it may be a tourist, like what Sandra was talking about uh, last week. It may be a tourist trip. It may be a vacation. But maximize every trip that you have because you are a laborer being sent out to the harvest field. Come on now. Can we give the Lord praise for that? You are part of... The end time harvest. Renew your passport. Amen. There are many nations now that don't require any visa because our Philippine passport is very powerful. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Help us, Lord. I'm not sure if you're proud every time you carry your Philippine passport, you know. You enter a nation, you're about to enter the immigration. Sometimes you want to take on your passport holder, your passport for a while. But you know what? You can actually be proud about it. God has a distinct call and purpose for us as a Filipino nation, as a Filipino people. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. 
when you talk about being a Filipino. Amen. I love my brown passport. Sagisag ng Pilipinas. Anyway, we don't need a license for a pastor. You know, there's one particular guy in the New Testament, Stephen, um, you know, who was not part of the full-time ministry. Acts chapter 6. Just very quickly. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Acts chapter 6, in the earlier verses, he was one of the deacons that was um, like uh, taken to serve the widows in the distribution of food. So he was not a full-time preacher or a full-time pastor. He was just a regular volunteer. Stephen, but the amazing thing about Stephen, when they were describing who he was, he's full of grace and there's power in this guy. And he was doing great signs and wonders among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those of Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. He was not even one of the apostles, but yet God used him to preach the gospel and to do signs and wonders. Of course, later on in the chapter after this, he also was killed and he was the first martyr. So if you want to be a Stephen, welcome to the club. Okay? He was used by God and he was the first martyr for the Lord. My question for us is, will you be willing to go and to be used by God just like Stephen, an ordinary deacon, an ordinary disciple, yet he was filled with power and wisdom and anointing coming from the Holy Spirit. And lastly, the Lord is committed to send workers to the harvest field. God is so committed, there's no question about it. He will do whatever it takes. Everyone say, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And I believe that this is where we see that if you don't want to respond through apostello sending, He will send us through ekbalo sending. And let me just clarify. Ekbalo in itself is not bad. But yet there's also other aspects wherein ekbalo would actually be a forceful send out. So when you talk about the ekbalo, okay? Everybody say ekbalo. Greek word ekbalo, okay? It means to cast out, to drive out, to send out, or to force out. Kasi ayaw mo. So you're being ikbalo. In other words, what it means is they go out involuntarily. This is what you call providential scattering. If the apostello is a strategic sending, strategic meaning to say that you have aligned to the strategy of God, okay, I'm going because God called me, I'm going, that's apostello. But somehow, if the circumstances are not the best circumstances, guess what? You're still going. And God is still sending. Remember Jonah? In the case of Jonah, was it apostello or what is ekbalo? Was it ekbalo or apostello? Ekbalo. God had to devise a plan and use Moby Dick to fetch him and bring him to Nineveh. Was it Moby Dick or Meg? I don't know. So when you talk about sending, this is not the normal word for send. 
Because the normal word for sin is apostello. There's another aspect of sin. But in the English language, it's just sin. In the Greek, they somehow distinguish the difference. And it means to violently thrust forth. In fact, ikbalo is the same word that was used when Jesus was driving out the money changer from the temple. The same word, ekbalo, to drive out. And again, in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, it's the same word that Jesus used when He was casting out the demons. So look at the person beside you. Anichura. Money changer or demon? I'm just kidding. It says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. In fact, when Jesus ikbalos demons, they have to go. When He ikbalos His church, we have to go. In the same forceful way that Jesus sends Him out, we are going. How many of you are familiar with the Filipino diaspora? Not only the Jews had an exodus in the Old Testament. In the New Testament and in the present day, guess what? We are like people that have been scattered out. In 100 countries, you will find a Filipino pointing. When you ask a direction and when they respond, that's a Filipino. And when you talk about diaspora, it's a dispersion of any kind of ethnic group. We see this among the Jews when they were going from Egypt back to Canaan. Uh, and, you know, right now I think the statistics is over 12 million Filipinos live outside the Philippines, either temporarily, whether studying or working, or permanently as a green card holder or maybe a permanent citizen of that nation. That's about 10% of the population of the Philippines. How many of you, that's a big number? Lusan said this, Lusan Movement said, for many Filipinos, migration is a symbol of hope because it provides an alternative to being unemployed or underemployed, living in poverty, or having a life that is qualitatively less than one's aspirations. Economic migration is something that God allowed in order to advance the cause of the global missions. You know, back in the day, there used to be like uh, religious persecution. Today, we have economic persecution. And I believe that many times the pe people are going there, yeah, OFWs to work, or maybe a plan for the future of their children. The reason why they're migrating is because they want to just, they're seeing ahead. And they're preparing the way for the next generation to somehow reap the benefits of their sacrifices right now. But how many of you know that Filipinos can make great missionaries? Because we all have a missionary face. We're very adaptable. You know, we can learn a new language easily, right? Would you please pass the tape? We have a missionary stomach. You can eat anything. And everything. If you can eat balut, you can take anything. 
Let me promise you, you can take anything. We all have a non-threatening face because we have not been part of any aggression in history. We have not been a conqueror. We're the conquery. <laughs> if there's such a word. We are the ones that were conquered all the time, right? And another aspect of us being a great missionary is because we love to serve. We love to serve. Aside from we love to sing. We love to serve. We become some of the most excellent people out there. Whatever position it is, whether it's a, an executive C-suite position or an engineer or an accountant or even a domestic helper, we are the best in the area of serving. That's the reason why I believe God has a plan for us as a people. You know, even the CBCP, uh, Catholic bishops of the Philippines are acknowledging that the greatest missionary force right now are the OFWs. Because we're out there already. And guess what? Wherever the Filipinos go, they bring in their culture. We bring our ethnicity. We bring our faith with us. You can't separate faith from a Pinoy. And I believe that God has somehow Ikbalod us. You know, one of the members of Victory Fort uh, is Joe Tatuala. He worked in an oil rig. Uh, he's the second uh, from the left after Pastor Mark. He's working in an oil rig, or he worked in an oil rig in the Atlantic Ocean. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, there's an oil rig. And that's where he worked. He's an evangelist at heart, and what he would do is he would invite all his fellow workers to watch online. The service in the oil rig in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, they have no choice. He's the supervisor. He would preach to them and he would actually lead small groups. They have no choice. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> it's a captured audience. He took that as a personal call and he discipled workers for the Lord in the oil rig in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Come on and talk about Iqbalo. Talk about the gospel going out there. And many of his co-workers were brought to Christ. You know, in this verse also, it talks about, you know, when you say, when you see, when you, when you say pray for the Lord of the harvest, it's not an ordinary word of prayer. It means uh, it comes from the Greek word deomai, which means to beg. In fact, Jesus is not just making a suggestion to pray. He's telling His church to beg. You beg. In the same way that you're praying for your physical needs or your, for your healing or for your provision, you beg. You beg for the Lord of the harvest to come and send forth laborers into the harvest field. That's why I believe that this is somehow a description of us Filipinos. You know, this is the description of the early church, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. Everybody say scattered. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria and except, except the apostles. How many of you know that if we just fill in the blanks, there's a great economic persecution that happened against the nation and we were all scattered throughout 100 countries in the world. 
And what's amazing is in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They were not just scattered to hide, they were scattered to preach. They were scattered to reach out to others. Our God has a global mission. He's saving a people for himself out of every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. You know, I am a Mac user. Every time I would use a Mac, there would be times where in the application that I'm using would hang and it would not respond. You know, there's a way to do it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what I'm saying. But there's a way to do it, but that you need to just reset it. And what you do is to press three uh, buttons, command, option, escape. And when you press the command, option, escape, this would come out, force, quit. I would say force, quit. It will force quit that application and it will reset it so that it will actually function again. You know, sometimes we get stuck where we are. Sometimes we are not responding to the call. And what God would do sometimes is to press those three buttons, command, option, escape. From where you are, and He will not just force quit you from this world, He will force send you. I believe that if there's a force quit in a Mac, there's a force send with God. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 20 and about to close. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And I believe that the reason why God saved us to be His people is not just to enjoy salvation per se and not just to have our names just written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that's it. But there's a purpose and a reason why God has called us. Jesus saved us so He could send us. And I believe that the reason why you are here in this church is not just so you can be comfortable and sitting in this place, not just so that you can actually increase your learning about the Bible, not just so that you can actually have a nice small group, but I believe that you can be part of this end-time harvest by being part of those that are being sent out. You may not physically go out in the nations, but how many of you know that we are a global village already, that the nations are already among us? We are a multicultural city here in Metro Manila. And I believe that God can use each and every one of us to share, to be a missionary, to be that 72 to continue to ask the Lord, to pray. How many of you would like to pray? Let's pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to come and save this world. You know, God will accomplish His mission in reaching the lost for the uh, lost world for Christ. My question for us today is this. More than just going out to missions, more than just praying, more than giving, yes, we need your resource. And if you would like to consider giving, Please do so because there's a mighty work out there. 100% of the things that we receive for the missions offering is not kept in this church, but we send them out to help the missionaries out there. But my question for us today is, why do we have a sense of urgency for the harvest? Why is there a sense of urgency? It's not about the money. It's because the end is near. The end is... How many of you sense that the end is near? Jesus 
in the gospel in Matthew 25 was talking about these are the signs of the times. When you see wars or rumors of wars or earthquakes or you know all these calamities, how many of you see the calamities and wars happening all across the world right now, the way we live it? It's happening. How many of you know that the end is near? And Peter was talking about this when he was writing his encouragement to the church. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of all things is what? Is near. Another verse is it's at hand. It's imminent. It could happen anytime. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. We're familiar about this statement, you know, coined by Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. In business, very useful for us. When we do budgeting, we begin with the end in mind. We have a goal for the next year and we budget. We begin with the end and we work back on our budget and our events. We begin with the end in mind. Having a consciousness of the end in mind will help us to live intentionally and live in a sense or in the business to do what was expected of us. But in the spiritual realm, we need to think about the end of all things. Begin with the end in mind. If you know that the end is coming, how would you live your life today? If you know that the end is imminent and anytime it could happen, how many of you know that the last days is here? The apostles back in the day, 2,000 years ago, were already writing this. Peter was writing this already. Paul was writing this. He was writing about this in the book of Thessalonians. John wrote about this in the book of Revelation. Revelation 20 talks about Jesus saying in the very last red letter words that you see in your Bible, Behold, I am coming soon. When is that soon? You don't know. But it's imminent. The coming is near. How would you live your life if you know that today is the last day? How? Either, you know, when you talk about the last day, either it's our last day today, physically, one of our, we received a sad news just a few days ago. One of our leaders passed away because of a heart attack, cardiac arrest. He was in the bathroom and he just dropped dead. He's taking, he's finishing our Leadership 113 class. He's one of our finest. He's a believer. He passed away. But yet we also lack, you know, we look at the perspective of the Lord when God said in the book of Psalms, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. When we pass away from this earth, guess what? It's a homecoming. It's nothing. There's nothing to fear. Amen. Come on now. There's nothing to fear. When we pass away, come on now. There's nothing to fear. Can we thank the Lord for that? Nothing to fear. When my son passed away 20 years ago, he was a believer at 8 years old. When my mom passed away, strong believer. The end is near. Your end, my end is near. We don't know when we will pass away. 
my question is, are we ready to see our families just go and slip into eternity without finding out who Jesus is? There's a sense of urgency today, guys. We need to go out there. If we can't reach it from the full-time staff, you can reach them. You are part of the 72. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. And we're welcoming Him there. But we don't know when that will happen. It may be after our lifetime. It may be the next generation. We don't know. But how do you live your life if you know that it might be today because the end is near. My encouragement for us is don't be too concerned about the temporary things of this world. Hold loosely to the temporary things and hold tight to the things that are eternal. Amen. You know, we have so much prayer requests. That's great. And please do pray. Pray for your provision. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for healing. That's great. But don't miss out on what is more important than it. It is your soul. It is our eternal existence. What profit does it give a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? We have a message. We have a gospel to share. Be the church to share the gospel. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victor.org.ph to find a church Join a victory group and give online. Thank you for partnering with us, discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.